You're listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, brought to you by the Raven Creek Social Club, where we talk about faith and other oddities. For questions, comments, or to be part of the conversation, join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find us at Raven Creek SC. Now for your hosts, Emily Dixon and Nathan Underwood. So I was talking to my boss the other day. Um, he's He and I chat quite a bit uh, whenever we get the chance. We haven't had a whole lot of opportunity lately because he's been really busy this year, but we were talking about funeral things and uh, grave plots. And I, I told him, I said, hey, you know, uh, interesting story about that is my mom one year on my birthday bought me a, a funeral plot and he gave me a really funny look and I was like, well, there's more to that story. Um, she didn't just, you know, I didn't like, you know, make her mad. Way anything. more to the story. <laughs> so, um, he's like, you've got to say that on your podcast. So here I am, uh, doing this for my boss. So he, uh, he can be amused as, you know, and hear the rest of the story. I say because you got to go. There's more than just a funeral yeah, plot. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't uh, get a chance to really go into the full details of the story. Um, uh, as you as you know, but not many other people know, um, our dad passed away f- uh, four days before my birthday, uh, in 2014, and when we were, um, when mom went to buy the grave plot for dad, there was what four plots next to it three or four next to it. I think there was actually, well, there's a total of six. Total of six. And and if you bought more than one, you got a discount. <laughs> so mom... Being the bargain hunter she is. Mom just went right on ahead and bought all of those grave plots. And then um, later that day, so the, the funeral home that we went with, um, they, mom wanted to, to use um, this like old western style like a toe pincher s- toe pincher the six-sided coffins um which if it's six-sided it's a coffin if it's not it's a casket so there's your technical difference here's your trivia for the day useless trivia for the day and so anyway um but because it wasn't like a regular company that they use and they said their insurance wouldn't cover it if there was any damage and you know they're they're also family friends because we did grow up in a small town we're actually related i don't are, know are we how we yeah. I didn't realize. Um, so anyway, um, they asked if we would be willing to uncrate it. I'm like, you know what? I've worked in a warehouse. I've, I, I don't even care. So, um, somewhere, Emily, uh, I may have them too. Somewhere there's actually pictures of me uncrating dad's coffin on On your birthday, on my birthday. (laughs) So anyway, um, to make the story better, because it doesn't really get, the story's just kind of bleh, but, um, it gets better because as I was going throughout the day, I I tweeted, um, mom just bought my funeral plot, ha- hashtag happy birthday to me. And then later I said, just got un- just got done uncreating my dad's coffin, hashtag happy birthday to me. And what's really funny is some Twitter bot uh, latched hold of the hashtag happy birthday to me and responded like this autoresponder with this crazy like these crazy cat emojis that were like all drawn up uh using all the the punctuation characters i mean they're very elaborate but it was just so funny because like you could tell they obviously were supposed to have like confetti and things like that and i'm like 
I feel like this is inappropriate, uh, but that's kind of how things go around our lives sometimes. Well, I, we were actually at that time, Ty and I were talking about, uh, you know, what we want to done when we died and all of that good stuff. And he, he's like, Oh, I just want you to scatter my ashes. And I said, no, I said, you have a funeral plot. And he goes, what? I mean, a cemetery plot. And he says, what do you mean? I said, no, mom bought us one today. And he said, well, well, actually a few days before. And he said, well, well, where was it? And I said, you were sitting on it about five minutes ago. So that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's we had some that whole time was if you don't get our family's morbid sense of humor, I think it kind of. Yeah, something, yeah, that's, that's one of the our defense mechanisms that we developed pretty early on. Um, so. Yeah, but that's that's the story of that. So I know uh, roughly where I'm going to be buried. I, I mean, we we're pretty sure we're going to do cremation because it's just so much cheaper than a casket and things like that. And you know, the I'm not using my body anymore. Harvest what you can. Donate my organs. Hey, if they can find anything they can use. Um, you know, after my mid twenties. Yeah, they can have it. Yeah, pretty much. It, whatever. And I, that's the thing. If you look at the uh, cemetery plots, it's um. They can do the cremation. They can put more than one person in the plot. I forget how many they said they can go up to. Yeah, but. I think I think that's isn't that the plan? We're gonna like stack everybody up and just you know. Yeah, I think six was like way more than we needed. Yeah. So so you know, hey, the kids are taken care of. Yeah, I mean, one less thing we have to worry about. So of all the things in life to be prepared for, this is the one we what? have covered. We're set. Yeah, we <laughs> final destination uh, for both our parts. You know, body and soul covered. Done. Okay. So we don't have to worry about anything else. Yep. Big ones clo- are- close up shop. Yeah. Works. See you later. <laughs> no. Um, so wh- what are we talking about today aside from funeral plots? We're talking about... Plots? <laughs> we are actually talking about the Divine Council worldview. And we decided to hit this one early because this is going to impact the way we read so much of the Bible. Right. And reading the Bible is what we're going to do here. So this... It's not a major player in a lot. I mean, I don't know. It is, but it isn't. It's one of those things that... It, it, it doesn't it, impact the message of faith and salvation. Right. Yeah. Gospel message is basically the same. It doesn't change the gospel message, but it's kind of like, to me, it's like um, watching the trailer versus watching the movie. Yeah, because it does. It just, it blows open. Like so many of the stories, you'll read them, you'll go... Okay, I, I get the basically what the, what's happening here and what people are thinking, or you think you do, and then you add this element in, and all of a sudden it's like, oh wow! Because what I think is so weird about it, it both it decreases the importance of humanity and simultaneously increases the importance of humanity in these really weird ways. Yeah, and yeah, so, it, it it makes humanity uh, well. I mean, just kind of like you said, it it really makes us less central to the story in some ways and makes God more central to the story. But the way he chooses to interact with us, it makes us more beloved, I guess you could say. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's right. And also, I, I think it makes sense of, um, you know, the, the big critique going around about the Bible right now is that the Old Testament God is so mean, he's awful, how could he destroy these entire nations? And and when you have this in play, all of a sudden that makes sense. And it actually becomes an act of mercy for those who love him. 
And so we're going to kind of get into some of that. And I think we're also going to be talking, um, we're not going to get into it real deep, but when we talk about the stories in the future, right? then, then you're going to see, oh, wait a minute. Now, all of a sudden, this isn't just God being this big tyrant and horrible bully. It, there's actually purpose behind it. And so I think it's, for me, it, it just made the Bible more, more vibrant. Yeah. I think it's a good way to put it. Yeah. So. so so what we're talking about is uh, divine counsel worldview. Um, you'll also hear this referred to um, sometimes as the Deuteronomy 32 worldview. Um, if you're, if any one of you have been listening to any of Dr. Heiser's stuff. Yeah, because we're not the experts we on are, this. We are not the experts. We just want to give like a brief introduction that's in simple language. Um, and then if you want to know more, definitely check out, go to, is it drmsh.com? Mm-hmm. Or is it uh, nakedbiblepodcast.com? Uh, both. Both he, will get you there. Okay. And then uh, there's a start here link where he really dives into that. So That's on the Naked Bible, and he actually has diagrams and pictures, and he gets really in-depth. And and I actually spent more time deciding what I wasn't including in this right. than what I included in it. Because once you start seeing the threads, then they're going to be everywhere. And as we read through the Bible... We'll say, hey, this is how it ties in, because we were talking about Hannah the other day, and right. I won't even reveal all of that, but you miss it in the English, and it's pretty amazing. Yeah, so so we'll be getting into some of that uh, later on. That's actually, I think, after we kind of wrap up the next couple topics, I think we're just going to start going through Old Testament stories. Um, and that makes me happy. Makes me happy, too, because it's so much fun stuff in the Old Testament, so... Um, you're the one who did most of the prep work on this, so I'm going to let you kind of... Well, you were wrestling with technical problems. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. So last night, just to kind of give you an idea of what's going on, uh, we've got an interview that I'm in the process of editing down. It'll be out on the 25th, and we'll be announcing who it was later. But um, about, what, an hour and a half before the interview started, my operating system on my Mac just went kaput and so i had to do like a complete system restore and everything 45 minutes before we were getting ready for this skype interview with someone that we barely know so we didn't want to put them off so i'm like just scrambling my brain is just reeling trying to figure this all out and i'm just hiding basically and, oh man <laughs> yeah and so it took a minute uh we we made it through and we had a great time last night um so that will be coming up, and we will be announcing that later on. So, okay, Divine Council Worldview, the, the best and easiest place to start, and I'm taking my, my cues from Dr. Heiser here, is actually Psalms 82.1. And the, the verse is simply this, God has taken his place in the Divine Council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. So, okay, if we really stop and think about that and process through that and not just read this as like we we're, we're want to do as Christians, what the heck is the divine council and how many gods are there and why is God in the middle of them? Right. Well, so, okay, well, let's start with that. Let's start with the bird's eye view of what's the divine council. Just give us the mm -hmm. breakdown on, on basically what it is. Well, and, and okay, so the divine council is made up of the Elohim, and that's a little e, not a big e, because most of you know that Elohim is also a name for God. This is a spiritual being. 
This can be what we refer to as angels. It can be a departed person, their spirit. Yeah, disembodied uh, dead. Disembodied dead. God is an Elohim, the God of the Bible. However, he is the only Yahweh, the only true God. So this, this council serves with God in heaven, and it, it mediates between humanity and, and what's going on in the heavens. And we see this, um, there's the story of Ahab's death. Mm-hmm. I love this story. It's one of my favorites because it's kind of like a scene from The Godfather. I can just see God, you know, like, how are we going to whack him? And right. <laughs> this... Well, do you want to go over that story so it doesn't sound yeah. so weird and out of place? Yeah, because um, you, you derailed my, um, my uh, notes here. Well, I just we're, dropped. We're not going certainly, you know, we're not just staying right on the outline. I mean, we never these, stay. These right are on. just, I just organized these so you would know what goes, what verses go with which point. Cause you know, there's a lot of stuff here. What do you got? Like six we, pages. I think there's eight actually. Did you take away my page numbers. I no, I printed it exactly as you had it. Hmm. So I guess um, I put page numbers on the other one. First, uh, first Kings, uh, 22 verses 13 through 29. So that's a pretty lengthy uh, passage there. And basically, God has said that Ahab's going to die. This has been prophesied by Elijah a long time before this is going down. But we really don't know how it's going to happen. And God's sitting in the heavens, and he says, how are we going to get this done? Mm -hmm. And one of the spirits, and that's how the ESV has it translated, one of the spirits steps forward and said, hey, I'm going to tell all the prophets, put a lying spirit in the mouths of all the prophets, and they're going to tell Ahab that he's going to win this particular battle. And there's only one prophet who knows the truth, and he actually goes in and tells Ahab and the other king who's with him, hey, this is what God did. And Ahab chooses to disregard the true prophet. And sure enough, the way the true prophet just said he was going to die is exactly how Ahab dies. And so this is in the Bible. This is not something external or you know a folklore that is written around the Bible. This right. is in the Bible. Um, Revelation, we talk about the, the elders at the throne. We, we talk about a heavenly host. Mm-hmm. And so this is part of Christian vernacular. Um, to call it a divine council um, makes them a little more interactive with God. Right. They're not, they're not just a bunch of people lined up cheering. They're not like the cheerleading squad, because that's actually kind of the, the image you kind of get of angels in Sunday school. You know, mm-hmm. they just stand around and praise God all day. And, you know, I think, I think there's definitely... Uh, you know, a lot of praising and a lot of worship that goes on. But again, you know, it kind of depends on how you define worship. But yeah. we, we just kind of get this idea that the angels are just, you know, there's God's throne. He's there. And there's like angels on either side of the walkway, like, you know, runway lights, just, you know, singing and cheering all day, like a, like a group of divine cheerleaders. Yeah. And, and so this, this takes it out of that kind of abstraction, which probably comes more from Renaissance paintings than the actual biblical text. And so we've, we've got this divine council in Psalms 82. Yeah, because Puto are not cherubs. True. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what Puto are, those are those little wing baby things that you see in Renaissance paintings. Not actually, those are not actually supposed to be angels or cherubs. Those are, uh, they're actually, they're, a lot of them are actually de- uh, derived from like Bacchus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, more Greek mythology yeah. than Bible. So, and, anyway, yeah. I, but I, uh, I digress. <laughs> randomness. Um, but if you go on and you read in Psalms 82, um, and I, I did notice that in 28 of the major translations, 
only three don't have this general translation. And that's a really good way to study your Bible. If you don't know Hebrew and Greek, go to Bible Hub, pull up a verse, right, and look at it in the several translations. If you've got all of them saying basically the same thing, then there's no dispute. If you got three or four, pretty much little debate, but not dispute, but you start getting up to eight, nine, 10 verses. Now you know you're into a particularly hard passage of Hebrew or Greek to translate. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of gives you an idea that maybe, maybe there's more to the story here. But anyway, this is kind of almost undisputed. Um, Psalms 82.6 says, you are gods. This is God speaking. You are gods, sons of the most high. All of you, nevertheless, like men shall die and fall like any prince. So God's saying that these beings, these divine council beings, are nevertheless, despite the fact that you are spiritual, you're going to die like men. Why do you have to die like men? Because you aren't men. You're you're not human. So you've got to be something else. And if you need a little bit more proof that this is actually how it works, um, Psalms 89, 5 through 7 says, Let the heavens praise your wonder. O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can compare to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones and awesome, uh, and awesome above all who are around him. So in the sky, in the heavens, holy ones, heavenly beings, this divine council is not of the earth. And this is... Again, this is where we start getting into some of the controversy about this view, because now we're starting to get in to, out of those 28 versions I've looked at. Uh, nine of them have heavenly uh, beings, and the rest of them all have sons of might or sons of the mighty. And now we're kind of going, okay, who are the sons of might and who are the sons of the mighty? And that's where having a little bit of Hebrew comes in. And this is actually sons of Elim. Uh, this is another name for God. And now the, that word mighty can apply to, to men. It can apply to animals. It can apply to the mountains. But it also applies very interestingly to the gods of other nations. And uh, we find that in Daniel 11.36. And the king shall do as, his wi- as he wills. He shall exalt himself above every god and shall speak astonishing things against the god of gods. Um, Exodus 15, 11, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who, like you, majestic in holiness, aware, awesome in glorious, glorious, uh, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. That's the song of Moses after they've crossed the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be uh, important. And... Over, are, you talking, are you talking about 32? Uh, Deuteronomy 32, the Song of Moses? No, that that's, no that's Deuteronomy 32. Oh, this is Exodus okay. 15. This Sorry. is right after the Red Sea. And, but overwhelmingly, and I didn't even look these up, uh, this is just the name of God. And it's the sons of Elim, the sons of Elohim, are the heavenly beings. They are members of the divine council. And so over and over again, when we have that construction, sons of God, what we're looking at are are divine beings and members of the divine council. Right. So now Go ahead. 
sometimes we there's like this weird little telepathic telepathic link because we are siblings and then other times it just totally malfunctions so (laughs) i thought i thought you were looking at me like i was about to say something so the um well i I mean i could say something i mean because we could go on and on and on with a lot of uh a lot of things a lot of examples Mm -hmm. um but one of the one of them that i i really like was uh that really points out when God talks about judgment. You talked about that in, in Psalm 82. Another place where we see that is in, is in Exodus, where God's I, I'm paraphrasing, and I don't know really the exact verse if you have it, where he says, this night I will, I will take revenge upon the gods of Egypt. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, like to, we like to think that, you know, the Bible is strictly uh, monotheistic, and so we want to say, oh, well, Ancient cultures, they had these ideas of God. They had these images. They had uh, some, some imagined creatures. But God's saying, no, I'm going to take revenge. Well, that's, I, not, that's not something you do on an imagined, an imagined creature. And I think it was a Heiser who says, you know, you, you don't, you don't uh, say that you're better or you're going to take revenge on, like, you know, Donald Duck right. or Santa Claus, anything like that. It's, it's not, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, an erroneous statement. It's, it's a nonsensical statement for God to say he's going to take vengeance on the God. Well, and that's one of the points that most people have a problem with. They're saying, oh, well, now you're saying that the Bible is polytheistic. And because if you're going to say Elohim are these divine beings, then we must be talking about more than one God. And that, that's the problem. Uh, they're either polytheistic or henotheistic. And henotheistic means that there might be many gods, but there's one ultimate God that's right. above everyone else. And well, well, I was going to say real quick, because that's actually one of the thoughts I had is, is a lot of times when people kind of stumble on this or uh, or are presented with it, the tendency is to run away or to try to I- explain it or reason it away. And for me, whenever I heard uh, Dr. Heiser really going into this, I never heard anyone like completely breaking it down. And uh, sorry, Thomas Cahill and the Gifts of the Jews was the first place I came across this that. It's speculated by many scholars that the early Jews were henotheistic, that they believed that Yahweh was the ultimate creator God and that there were other beings controlling other nations, but you only worshipped Yahweh. Well, and I think that kind of comes from this misunderstanding of God being so much greater than the other gods. Right. And because I think Israel really was monotheistic, but it still recognized that there's other spiritual forces at play out there. And it did not give them the right to, to challenge or somehow be considered even a threat to God. And so this is what kept Israel monotheistic and not henotheistic, is the fact that God is so far above the other gods. Right. And that there's not even, you know, in Christian uh, theology, sometimes we kind of even almost become henotheistic when we start seeing God and Satan in this duel and oh there we know God's going to win but it's going to be close right and and yeah that's and well and that's actually kind of more of a gnostic influence that was kind of a carryover from the the early days of uh was it Marcion Zoroastrianism yes yeah. that duality there and, and, and that's the thing it's there's not there there's no contest it it's that's the distinction and if you, I think if you're looking at it strictly from a historian's point of view and not a theologian's, then like Cahill was doing, mm-hmm. then you start to begin to get this idea that there's this progression from polytheism or pantheism into henotheism and then to monotheism. But um, that's one of the things that uh, most theolo- the- theological scholars 
kind of pushed back against. Um, that right. This that may have been the progression for like Egypt, but it's not the progression for Judaism. And so, you know, when you read the story of Abraham and and Jacob, God is God, and no one's coming close to him. Right. No, that's. But yeah, I actually there was a book I read. I think it was just called Abraham. Picked it up at a library sale for like fifty cents or something, and it was pretty interesting because they were talking about how. You know, as as cultures progress, you know, you can you can reveal to a person what makes sense to them in their culture. And there's actually a couple theories running around, and I don't know how, I, I don't really buy into them that much, that when Yahweh first presented himself to Abram, uh, that's how they were, <laughs> that's how I read the book, they referred to him as Abram and not Abraham, or Abram, it was the, the mm-hmm. V sound, um, that when God first revealed himself, he presented himself kind of like one of the uh, uh, ancestral gods, and then slowly progressed to reveal himself to be more and more powerful to Abram. And you can almost kind of see that in the narrative, but I don't really fully buy that God would have put himself off as like an ancestral God. I, I think there's, there's kind of element of where God is pushing Abraham to, to see him as more than, than he'd ever seen any other God as being. And, and probably, you know, it's God. He's really good at making concessions to our humanity, but yeah, I don't think he was posing as an ancestral guy. No, yeah, I, that's what I say. I, I don't buy that, but I'm saying that that's something that I've seen, and that was that was from a uh, that was from a non-Christian writer. That was just someone looking at the the documents, and there's there was a lot of interesting speculation in that. Um, but yeah, that's way <laughs> that's getting way off track. Well, sorry. and that, that's that's the thing. Whenever we're a lot of people who've pushed back against this will will say that we are trying to badmouth God, that we're trying to um, say that he is um, less because there might be other gods out there. But I mean, if you look at the first commandment and take and strip away what you know and just read, thou shall have no other gods before me. Yeah, God, God's not talking about the, the Mustang you polish every weekend or, you know, whatever fancy car you like. That's just, that was just a, a story I heard someone tell once. There. The television is your God. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, you can definitely devote too much time to television, but, you know, at the same, at the same time, I think uh, it's important to note where, when Heiser was talking about it, how, you know, when we hear the word God, G-O-D, uh, to quote Heiser, uh, we think of, of the specific divine attributes of Yahweh. Um, and, when someone in the early uh, in the ancient Near East culture would have heard it, they would have thought of of simply someone who inhabits the spiritual realm. And, and what was he? It's a it's a place of residence and not so much a yeah um, a, a list of attributes. Yeah, more of an address that basically, if you're not a physical, tangible being, then you're residing in the realm of the Elohim. And even with um, you know, there's a great story with Saul and the witch of Endor and she calls Samuel as he comes up from the ground. I see an Elohim. Right. And so this disembodied spirit, uh, there's other places in Isaiah where the dead Kings are recognized as Elohim. And so we've, we've got some very interesting things that we kind of lost because in the English, it's really hard to do that one for one kind of equivalency Right. Anybody who speaks another language knows that there's just certain things that you cannot 
you you can tra- cannot translate succinctly mm. into the second language. And that's the same thing with the Bible. Translators are doing their best. Mm. It's not always easy. So uh, we've, we've got all these passages. And if you want to know more, like I said, check out Heiser. He, he's got the Naked Bible podcast. He's got um, the Unseen Realm. And then he has a website documenting all of his sources. Mm-hmm. The peer-reviewed articles, and when we say peer-reviewed, this these are articles that were written by experts and then vetted by other experts. Right. And so this isn't just somebody who said, hey, I had this crazy dream and I think I understand the nature of the universe now. This is literally someone who spent years pouring into gathering all of these sources and then being double-checked by other people who have spent years pouring into all of these sources. Right. And, and, you know, it's really interesting that one of the, it's interesting that one of the main objections is that it detracts from God's power because to me, it's like, well, what, what makes God more powerful? Um, him having control over lifeless matter of the universe or him having control over other spirits that he put in control of those things. Um, or, you know, it's not, no matter how many layers of authority and power you stack up between us and God, it doesn't make him any less powerful. He's, he's, he's at the top as long as you're willing to, to end there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see, to me, it doesn't make sense that it's a, that it's a big issue or that, that it tr- detracts from his glory at all. I, I don't think that it does. I, I, I think that, you know, what, there's a saying, something along the lines that you can tell how great a man is by the quality of his enemies or some, something uh, along those lines. I, I, not sure i'm familiar with that one but you know it's um kind of that same mindset to me that the idea that if god is going to uh, be able to control great and powerful beings then he has to be that much greater than them and you know let's face it humanity isn't really a big threat to god if you have an idea of him really being holy and so this now that we've kind of moved on, we've kind of shown a little bit of of examples of where the Bible's talked about the divine council. Psalms eighty two, Psalms eighty nine, Psalms twenty seven is another one. Oh, one mm. other thing before we get on that, um, one of the other objections that we hear a lot that that Doctor Heiser says he hears a lot is, well, why would God need to do that? Why would why does he need a divine council to run things? Why does he need anything? And yeah, that kind of goes back to a point. I think I don't remember if it was the interview with Joe where I was talking about this or the or an episode or two later, but it's like. He doesn't need anything. God is God. He's complete in and of, a smell, of, of himself. Why does he need the universe? He doesn't. He does it because that's how he likes to do things. And I love, I love that Heiser makes that point. Um, but the, th- that's just how he, how he chooses to do it. And, and it goes back to what I was saying. You know, Once you realize the universe is superfluous, mm-hmm. God could have made it any way he wanted to. And he doesn't, he doesn't have to answer to us every single thing that he does. And... So whenever we do find out something is not how we thought it was, it's it's incumbent on us to go, oh, I was wrong. I want to correct my beliefs um, and not to go, oh, the Bible must be wrong here or the interpreters must be wrong here. Um, and what's funny, though, is because most of the people who who wind up falling on the interpreters must be wrong or the Bible's wrong are the ones who are most uh, adamant for often, you know, the inerrancy view of Scripture. Uh, versus infallibility. Well, yeah, and especially on on this, because um, the the first objection they're going to bring is, well, Elohim in Psalms 89 and 82, that's just elders of Israel. And um, 
Heiser does a really great job of breaking down all the grammatical and linguistic reasons of why that's not possible. Um, I'm going to break it down real simple. So basically, any time that the, the elders and judges of Israel are referred to as Elohim, supposedly, it's this idea that something is going on and people need a legal decision. And so uh, whether it's something has been broken or stolen while it was in, you know, you gave your neighbor your cat to watch and the cat gets run off. And so the neighbor's going to sue you, all of that kind of stuff. Not that they had cats, but like, I'm trying to contextualize it. Okay. Uh, I'm like, uh, that's on the cat. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. If you own a cat, you know that that's on the cat. But the other thing is, yes, you don't control cats. Um, but, uh, or, or whenever you've got a slave and you're going to, uh, the slave has decided that it wants to remain, uh, he wants to remain a part of your household. And you're going to take this slave before Elohim. Now, Whenever you do this, you've got to think about where were the judges and the elders located? When you took a legal matter, where were they? City gates? City gates, or at this point when this all was written, there wasn't a city, so they were in... Tabernacle? At the tabernacle. And God is Oh, in, that's right. There wasn't it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's all in Exodus. All of these sure. verses are in Exodus. So there's no city. They're still wondering. And... um. They're at the tabernacle. Who's in the tabernacle? Go ahead. Is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> well, I mean, well, kind of, sort of. God? I'm used to lecturing to like a class full of people. Don't, don't wait on me to answer I, I, rhetorical okay. questions. Oh, sorry. It's, it may or may not happen. Yeah, this is true. So, okay, yeah, but God's in the tabernacle. And the, the grammar there can be either plural or singular, because Elohim is actually a plural noun, but when we use it as a proper name, then it's singular. So it works either way. So, you know, you, when we say something like, I swear before God and everyone, what are we saying? We, there's kind of this, this acknowledgement that we, even though we're showing other people around us, God is still present. So the language can really work that way. Uh-huh. And but the big the really big verse is or verses is Deuteronomy thirty two eight and nine, and this is where it gets interesting. And do you have those? I do. Oh, here it is. I got it. Ah, read it right here. Ah, when when the Most High. Oh, I got a little close to the mic. Sorry. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, He divided mankind. He fixed the borders of the peoples according to the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is his allotted her Jacob his allotted her heritage. Sorry. Okay. So the question we have to ask is, well, first of all, this is the song that Moses is singing right before he dies. This has right. in, been inspired by God himself. And we have to ask the question. You have something. Oh, I was going to say, uh, before we get into this, I, I want to... Just this is funny to me. So I used uh, Deuteronomy 32 as an example in my book, and so I looked over this passage so many times, but I still managed to miss this the first several times I read it. Um, but once I realized how much theology was in it, I'm like, I can't even begin to go there with my book. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just this thought it was funny. Is, this that is a it's, song. It's right in there. It's it's the psalm that God uses to teach Israel uh, theology and. It's 
That's it's what happens when God inspires good music. Uh, there's a lot of theology, but we could go on that rabbit trail for a while. Uh, when did God divide the nations? That's, that's the question you have to ask here. So there's only one point in history that God divides the nations, and that is... Babel. Babel. Migdah Babel. Uh, the Tower of Babel, uh, specifically, found in Genesis 11, 1 through 9. And I think we kind of all know the story. The people had built a city. They're building a tower to the heavens. Um, they're going to make a name for themselves. And God says, uh-uh, not going to happen. And then he scatters the nations, confuses the tongues. Uh, they're now, our word babble, uh, it means confusion and to, or, or just talk incoherently today. But that's not really what the word means, but it's just become so associated with that idea. And they even named a movie after it. This is true. I haven't seen it. But. I haven't seen it either. I, it, I heard it was pretty good, but... Yeah. So if this is the only time that God divides the nations, Israel as a nation does not exist yet. Right. So he cannot set human judges over the nation of Israel. It has to be somebody other than mankind judging the nations. And so this is where we kind of get start to get into the, the cosmology the, and even the geography of it all. Right, and even if you go even farther, you know, he says he, you know, he's divided the, the nations, um, the, divided mankind, fixed their borders and their people according to the sons of, of God. But if you, if you take that to the sons of Israel, well, how many sons did Israel have? Twelve. There are more than twelve nations in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even more than twelve listed uh, isn't it in the Babel account? Isn't there? It's, well, uh, depending on how you read it, um, it, it's seventy to one hundred and twenty, kind of depending on your division. Yeah. So even that doesn't even make any sense whenever you really start going through it. And, and both of those numbers in uh, Jewish tradition actually have um, in, in gematria, which is we start to study the significance of numbers. These are completeness, wholeness is what they represent. Both of them. Mm. So it really doesn't matter how you read it. Um, so it's not a literal number. He's saying God. God has uh, it basically. So completeness, wholeness. God has, especially if you're looking at this, um, because one of the things that a lot of people ask, well, why did God put them under these nations? Was were they supposed to serve these these gods, and and that's how they were going to get to heaven? And the answer is no. God put them there as a punishment. And so would it would it be a way? And this is just me asking question. Um, would it be? This isn't rhetorical. It's just a question. Um, <laughs> Would it be saying that God has passed a complete judgment on these other nations? Is that a way of looking at it? Yeah, because I, I, I mean, we don't have time to go into the Tower of Babel, but if you look at what's going on before this, Tower, uh, the people at Babel, they are descendants of Ham. They are the ones that God cursed. And so they are in rebellion. Who's their leader? Nimrod. And he is the rebel king. So this is people who are outright defying God and in rebellion. And God says, great, you don't want anything to do with me and my law and the way I'm doing things? Get what you want. God's really good at that in the Bible. He, you want this? Yeah. Fine. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of funny. I mean, because that's actually a lot of how I feel like our dad was. was like, he'll tell you what he thinks is a good idea, or he would. Uh, you know, we've already covered that. <laughs> um, but he would tell, a, you know, he would, he would talk through an issue. He would tell you what he thought. And then he would say, but you know, 
you do what you want to do. And I hope everything works out for the hope best. Every, yeah, hope <laughs> for the best. Um, yeah. So um, we would do either what he said or do uh, the opposite, uh, whichever way, just depending. And uh, if it worked out, he would be real happy. And if not, he might uh, might make mention of his previous advice. While rubbing his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> but I, doing yeah. this. That was his, his yeah, signature that was the move. Other one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dad. But if you think, okay, well, that's a little vague. I'm going to go back to Deuteronomy 4, 19, uh, 19 and 20. I know I'm like, this topic can get so deep. And so I, I want to be, I don't know what our time is, and I want to make sure we get it all in. We're getting close on time, and okay. I don't think we necessarily have to get it all in. We just need to paint a broad uh, picture, okay. so, so just relax. Well, we got I this. I know, but there's so much. I don't want to leave it all out. So and We don't have a time limit. We just have a time frame. Suggestion. Guidelines. <laughs> Guidelines. Suggestions, really. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, 19 through 20 says, Beware lest you raise your eyes to the heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, the stars, and all the host of heaven, and you're drawn away to them, and serve things under them that the Lord your God has allotted to all the other peoples under the whole heaven. So God has allotted the sun, the moon, the stars, and the host of heavens to the other nations. But listen to the next part. But the Lord has taken you out, brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to the, be the people of his own inheritance, as you are this day. So God is saying... This is for everyone else. I'm going to I'm going to create this nation of Israel. It's going to be the nation that um that salvation is really going to come through. Yeah, well and 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 not only that, he's he's saying, you know, I'm going to take this tiny like this tiny group of people. You know, start with Abram, his family and his servants, and through this tiny group of people, I'm going to show how I am greater than all the other nations who have all the other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's and it's that reversal thing like we talked about and like we'll talk about when we get to the, the story of Hannah in a few weeks. I mean, that's really cool. Well, and that's, that's the thing. And so when you think about the other nations having these other gods, and that I think their primary job, and uh, based on Psalms 82, is that they were supposed to guide people back to the true God. And that when God says he's going to judge them and they're going to die like men, that the fact that they accepted worship for themselves, that they did not lead people back to the truth, now God's going God's to judge them. And we're going to have, um, this is where we start getting into kind of a cosmic showdown. And when we look at like the plagues of Egypt and the judgment on the gods, right. every plague, and I know there's some debate on this, but I have gone back and I've been convinced through research God is taking a direct swipe at every major God of Egypt. And we might go into that one day because it's really fascinating. And so it becomes less about God being nitpicky with humanity and trying to hurt humans who displease him. It really becomes about God taking a stand against these spiritual forces that are manipulating humanity to serve their own means. And, and, we can get into the Nephilim here. We can get into the Raphaim, the Anakim. Uh, the Anakim were, these are all related. They're all part of those beings that were created through angelic fathers and human mothers, talked about in Genesis 6, and who were the giants. And so uh, whenever Joshua goes in to destroy Canaan and God um, says, you know, kill everyone, man, woman, and child, He's not talking about killing people. If you notice, every every nation in there 
Those are nations who are the Anakim. They are the nation of giants. These are spiritual beings. And so anyway, we get into this um, where throughout history, God is starting to reveal himself. He's starting to take back little pieces of the world. We start with, with Israel, and then he begins to open up the minds of his Israel once they've been set apart through the prophets. He's starting to say, now I'm putting you in a place to reclaim all the nations. Right. You're going to be this light of the world. You're going to, to pull everyone to you. And I think it's really interesting because in Isaiah, it's what he says. Uh, this is Isaiah 66, 19. For I know their works and their thoughts. A time is coming to gather all nations and all tongues. Uh-huh. Why, why is the mention of tongues so important there? Because we're back, back to Babel. We're back to Babel. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, and that's interesting because then it also makes, it makes the story more interesting, uh, not just more interesting, but it makes it more clear that it's not just, oh, well, this is just about, oh, we made God mad because we didn't follow the rules. And so now we've got to figure out how to get back into heaven. Um, it's not about that or, or, or get to heaven, not back in. I don't know if that's, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's not just about getting people into heaven. It's about God's glory in the earth and going beyond just the pie on the sky. This is what happens after we die. It, it makes it more tangible, more real, and more of, of going and more uh, driving out evil from the world. Well, and it, that's really, that's what um, Acts 2 is really about. Whenever the, the apostles are there preaching or at the Pentecost, celebration of Pentecost, mm-hmm. the, the wind comes, there's the tongues of fire over their head. The miracle is now, instead of different languages being confusing, God actually overrides the language distinction mm-hmm. so that everyone can hear in their own language. The fixed boundaries are no longer an obstacle and the whole book of Acts um, is just pointing to, like we said, the number 70 and 120 were completion. Uh-huh. And these were the nations. And that's actually included in Genesis 11, a table of nations. Yep. Now, Gen- Acts goes back and says, basically, the whole world, as we know it, is going to be reached with the gospel. Now, that's that's kind of interesting. I was thinking about the tongues thing where, you know, you were talking about how everyone understood in their own language. And I wonder if that's possibly like a route to, um, to, uh, and it probably is. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably actually a pretty obvious answer. Like the route to Christianity being a translated faith, the fact that you don't have to convert to a specific uh, cultural norm, you don't have to adopt a specific language because there are uh, certain religious texts in the world that the people say if you don't read it in the original language, you're not really reading it, and you can't you can't be blessed by it. You can't enter heaven without knowing it in the original language. And so that's, I wonder if that's probably somewhat of the root of that. I hadn't really considered about, but I mean, that makes sense that God would not be bound by a single language. I mean, if, if the, the confusing of language was his, um, his punishment, his punishment, then, you know, he, he can override it. And that's what makes him right. There's a testimony of his power. Right. That's what makes him greater than a God that would say, no, you've got to know it in my language. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, that just observation to pop right in there. Sorry. No, it works. <laughs> um, I just want to hit just, this is not just an Old Testament thing to either Acts 2, 
Paul talks about it. He says it's our inheritance. And then Hebrews, again, the writer of Hebrews talks about it. Peter talks about it. But the one I thought was very interesting was John in the book of Revelations. This is chapter 1, verses 4 and 8. Grace and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before the thrones, members of the divine council, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of earth. Notice, you know, Jesus is going to take that place, the ruler of the kings of earth. I love that. Yeah. To him who lives, um, lives with us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests. That's also part of that Isaiah 66 uh-huh. prophecy that we're a kingdom of priests. To be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye shall see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. So all the tribes, this is, this is the fulfillment. When, when God has reached into all the earth, everyone has had a chance to see his glory. And Isaiah says that even those nations that does not, do not know his fame, they're going to know about him because God is going to take back the nations from these little e Elohim, these godlets, as I like God, to call godlets. them. It's either godlets or godkin. You know, you got to come up so it's not so confusing. But so they are no longer going to be in control. Jesus is going to regain power. And we we talk about this aspect in the church today. Uh We just don't put it in this concise of a form. Well, yeah. And and we also don't put it in, we we put it in terms of just humans. Like, like any, it's so. But what does Paul say? Paul says we don't fight against flesh and blood. Right. Powers and thrones and principalities i know and 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 then but yeah it's it's just so bizarre to me to it and it it does like you said it 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 makes things it decentralizes humans in the stage the world stage but it it really kind of elevates like how much god cared for us um it's it's a lot to think about (laughs) yeah and if you do sit down and just just think about it sometime you know uh that god would care for us so much that even though there's these quote unquote greater beings out there, um, we're we're going to judge them. Paul says that we're going to judge the angels, yeah, and we're going to be a part of that process. And that uh, you know, the angels. Uh, there's a psalm uh, that supposedly an angel wrote that says, "Who is man that you, you should be mindful of him?" him. Yeah, yeah, and and that's something. Uh, the the judging angels thing. That's something that I actually I actually I heard I heard this evangelistic preacher. Um, who was talking about what are we going to do when we get to heaven? And what he said was that we're just we're just going to start our day. We're just going to stand in awe of Jesus and how amazing He is for every day for the rest of eternity. That's all we're going to do. And and I'm like going, where do you find that in the Bible? Because Paul says we're going to be judging angels. We got work to do. And so, but in the context of that, one of the, what Paul was talking about, he's talking about a dispute where uh, Christians had, had appealed to an outside authority and filed mm-hmm. basically a lawsuit. And Paul says, no, get it together. Figure out how to use your discernment because practice good judgment because in the life to come, we're going to be judging angels. So that if, if nothing else, um, get nothing else practical out of this, start using good judgment in your life. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it. That's what we're supposed to do. That's our job. Well, and I, I think, um, you know, we, we've kind of hit some of the high points. I know there's going to be so much more. I think if there's questions, 
ask us questions, but by all means, check out Dr. Heiser's stuff. Um, yeah, nakedbible.com. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely worth checking out. I've listened to most of that podcast twice mm-hmm. uh, because it's that good. And, yeah. And there's, I mean, there's, what, close to 300 episodes Oh yeah, but I mean, he, he went through Leviticus and it was still interesting. So oh yeah, yeah. If you, if nothing else, just to dive into the text and and get some scholastic information, even if you disagree with him, it's important to know what's out there. If you disagree with us on this, and and again, this doesn't affect your salvation where you land on this, but I think it really kind of you know when you get to looking at the overall picture of things, like I said, it's it's like watching a trailer versus watching a movie. Yeah, and if you make it to heaven and all of a sudden God says, hey, by the way, you didn't know about the Divine Council worldview, it's not going to disqualify you from getting in. No, not at all. It's probably not even going to be first and foremost on his mind. If you get to heaven and find out it's right, you aren't really going to care either. Right, and if you get to heaven and God goes, you know all the Divine Council stuff? What were you thinking? I'd be like, I don't know. Hey, I made it. <laughs> and so Christ I, I, is my only plea. <laughs> and I think that's that's the bottom line. And uh we we don't want to get too distracted um uh, from that ever in our walk, but I think whenever you can find something like this that helps you unlock some of the 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 hows and whys, that's always going to make the text more interesting. Yeah, and and to me it just it just gives another sense of awe and wonder to Hey, there's more going on in this world than just what I see right in front of my face. Well, and I think that's that's the important thing. If your if your Bible study is not leading you there, you probably are doing it wrong. Right, right. So I think that's a good place to wrap up because um, we are getting close to an hour. Um, so uh, I guess uh, we'll see you next time. When what are we? Co- oh, next week is actually our interview. Okay. So that's going to be, uh, I didn't realize at the beginning of the show, so we're going to go ahead and announce that. That's with Tandy Adams from uh, After the Music Stops podcast. Um, that's a, a podcast by worship leaders for worship leaders. And it's about, you know, just kind of building community and letting people know that, hey, you know, people in, in leadership are just people too. Go check that out. It's a lot of fun. After the Music Stops. And then uh, we'll be talking to Tandy next week. Or we talked to her last night, but you'll be hearing about it. You'll be hearing it next week. Um. So in the meantime, um, feel free to contact us with any questions, comments, um, complaints to Emily, and um, and to me, I guess. Well, we'll be fair. Um, so that's uh, ravencreeksc.com, uh, which can also get you to uh, ravencreeksc on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Find us there. Um, if you like what you heard, hit subscribe. If you really like what you heard, uh, write us a review on iTunes if you really, really like what you heard. Soon we will have uh, patreon.com slash ravencreeksc up and available for you to shower us with um, a couple dollars. <laughs> so pennies, hundreds of pennies. <laughs> any any support uh, would be appreciated. And just so you know, I don't want to just throw this out there. Uh, Emily and I will never uh, make claims that God's going to bless you beyond measure for giving any money to us. Uh, we're just going to say, uh, we God's were, a good God. God's a good God. Um, but, uh, if you feel like giving to us, that's great. Uh, if not, that's great too. And by all means, if you are, you know, looking to, to give to us to get some kind of, uh, financial blessing, we're not going to guarantee that. Um, I hope God does it for you. I really do. But we appreciate any support. We're just out here and we know that, uh, if God doesn't provide for this, or if you guys don't provide for it, then uh, it's not going to happen. 
So, because there are some costs involved in this. But, yeah. but anyway, um, hit us up with questions, comments, uh, suggestions, and we will be glad to uh, tackle the, most of them. As many as we can. Within um, reason. Within reason. So, anyway, thanks for joining us. Um, you guys have a great week, and we'll see you next week. We'll be here with Tandy Adams. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash ravencreeksc. As always, thank you for listening and don't forget to join us next week.